what is up, Dinah Dash Dose Fam? I am your host slash co-host, Sean Ringrose, shouting it out. What's up? Uh, there's a bunch of you in chat. Chat is rolling, and I love it. Uh, joining me tonight is none other than, I've called him Ultra Special Guest now for like three days, so I guess you're the Ultra Special Guest. Hattie Z Zabet, I'm a butcher it. I'm gonna shut up. Hattie Z. Oh man. Hattie Z. Oh man. Hattie Z. Hattie Z. <laughs> that was terrible. It's Hattie Zabad for you, man. Hattie Zabad. There we go. Let's go. Let's go. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, expert dash. Um, that's what we'll call you tonight. Expert on the dash, uh, for sure. That's great. Uh, but you definitely have knowledge of dose, uh, and a passing knowledge, uh, of Dynamo. Uh, which is good because uh, we feel, yeah. you know, we we fill each other. Uh, we're, well, let me rephrase that. <laughs> we uh, we help cover the <laughs> gaps that each other may have uh, in in certain areas of knowledge. Um, the double D's. Oh man, there is so much to talk about. Whoo! Uh, yeah, that's how that works. Uh, that would be filling up both of the gaps. Uh, <laughs> this is supposed to be a PG podcast, not anymore. Uh, yeah. So obviously, Mark goes away. Uh, no, he's um this week. He's got uh. There's some festival thing going on, and he's prepping for that, and there's other stuff going on, and he's prepping for that. Uh, my favorite director of Dash Affairs. Uh, Hattie, I believe that's a shout-out to you from none other than Mella. Oh, thanks, Mella. You rock. Uh, <laughs> C goes, Gen Orange after dark. Yeah, we hit, we hit that right at 7.30. <laughs> uh, no, no minute later. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so what are we talking about this week? Well, we're talking, obviously, Dynamo. There's been... Uh, there was an article that came out uh, about Kenny Bundy. Should he be the next head coach? We're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about the successes that Kenny Bundy has had uh, kind of in short form format because we're going to focus very heavily this week on Dash and NWSL, of course, because there's some big news in both fronts. Uh, but uh, we'll also talk a little bit of uh, Dynados very quickly, making sure to give the love that they deserve for making the playoffs uh, and making it to the semifinals uh, against St. Louis FC. Uh, and then we will, of course, dive into Dash, uh, making history as it is uh, and hosting their first ever playoff match in the NWSL playoffs against KC Current. That's coming up in another week from now, the 16th, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct, Kenny? Yeah, October 16th. Uh, we will run through the details of that match, where you can buy tickets, because we know if you don't have tickets yet, you need to buy them. Uh, and then we're going to talk NWSL. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard. <laughs> it's such a small thing, so why would you? Uh, there was a massive uh, investigation that released its findings, known as the Yates investigation, related to uh, harassment, sexual assault, assault, uh, and a host of other things uh, out of women's soccer in general, uh, from the, the youth level all the way up to uh, the national and even international level. Uh, and boy, there is some stuff to unpack from that. We'll dive into that a little bit later as well. Uh, and as always, guys, you're free and welcome to join in and offer questions and thoughts in chat. And we will do our best to get to them while we're talking. Um, yeah, so let's get to it because we got a lot to talk about. That last like two subjects is probably going to cover like an hour's worth of talks. So this is going to be a pretty heavy yeah. Woso show. So if you don't like Woso... GTFO, I don't care. This is a Woso show, too. Sorry, Mark, it is a Woso show, no matter what you may think or, or want to think. Um, or it's time to start liking it, you know, get get them on board. That, that's right. Look, I brought Jen Cooper on the show a month or two, a few months back, uh, and we did our best to try to help uh, Mark see the light. 
and uh, I believe he's seen the light. He definitely has an appreciation for Woso, but uh, there's still a little bit more to go with that. Uh, but let's dive into Dynamo. Uh, Kenny Bundy, uh, interim head coach. Uh, nothing obviously has been stated as far as long-term tenure, uh, but Dynamo Theory, uh, our author Dustin Richardson put out an article and the title says it all. Kenny Bundy is the right choice for Dynamo head coach. Uh, the byline or tagline is Bundy is the right hire for the job of permanent head coach going into the 2023 season. I disagree. Um, I like vehemently will disagree with this. And it, and it's not that I don't think Kenny Bundy would be a decent hire. I, I, I do think he would be. But right now, with where this team is and has been, uh, it would be the third head coach that would have come from the youth ranks in a row. Um, the first two, not the greatest of tenures while here. Um, it would be another instance of what feels like almost a letdown in a coaching search. I mean, they're supposed to be doing a coaching search. and Instead, that would be more like, well, we did a coaching search, but you're going to get the guy that everybody would have been okay with either way. Um, there's... Uh, a lot more to break down from that article, including he talked about that uh, guys like Tata Martino, uh, B uh, Marcelo Bielsa, uh, similar guys to that nature and stature, uh, even Greg Berhalter. Those guys aren't going to come to the Dynamo because uh, we're the Dynamo. Uh, it's not a destination uh, club for uh, e e within MLS circles or let alone within international circles. Uh, I take you know, definite ombridge with that in the terms of, I think that this has to become one. And in order to become one, you have to at least make the phone calls. Here's the difference. Previous regimes never made the phone calls. They waited for people to come to them. They believed that people needed to be interested in the job before you made it, before you approached. If you've watched Welcome to Wrexham, which Hattie, I'm going to throw it at you. Have you watched yeah. Welcome to Wrexham? I'm on episode one. Oh, bro. That's so, okay. It's okay. Get to about so, five or six and you'll know where I'm coming from on this, but there's a, a an episode where they make a play, they being Ryan Reynolds, and actually really it comes more from Rob uh, McElhinney. They make a they make a play or a push for a, a, a pretty well-known coach that has a very solid pedigree in terms of uh, taking teams in the National League uh, up through the ranks um, and helping build them into, into longer-term uh, powerhouses. Um, and I, I think it's very fair to say uh, that that it, you know, in order to acquire or or grab that coach, what had to happen was Rob, as, as co-owner, had to call the guy and basically say, "Hey, let's talk for a bit on the phone. I know you've already said you're really not interested, but I think we should talk. I want you to understand, you know, where we're coming from and why." Um, and you know, I tell you that to me, if I was a coach, if I was a coach that had some clubs that were interested that I had applied for. But a team called me and specifically and the owner called me or Pat called me as GM. If they called me and they said to me, even if I'm a renowned coach and said, hey, we are very passionate that you're the guy that we want. Here's the situation. Here's what we're trying to build. Here's what we're trying to do. We believe you're the guy. If they put in that hard press instead of this namby pamby approach of nah, you got to apply to us first. You got to come to us and prove that you want it. I mean, if it's a if it's a coach yeah, you, at that level, man, you got to be willing to go. Go ahead, Hattie. Yeah, you really have to show you what you're about. I mean, we we talk about how Houston wants to be, you know, a premier pl place in the MLS. We want to, want to see change, and really, as much as we can bring it as fans, it starts at up top. You know, it starts with Pat, starts with Ted. Talk. You have to reach out. You have to, you know, 
show you what you're about. And, you know, the fact that you, we see Pat and, and uh, Asher like flying out to go meet people, it, it takes that kind of effort and more, even more so than that to, you know, this isn't supposed to be meet you halfway. This is like full on headhunting. You know, you have to uh, give it your best effort. You have to sell them what, what you want to be, where you want to see them. You want, you know, because some of these big name coaches, they want their name up in the lights. You know, Marcel Bielsa was, you know, he did great with Leeds. You know, he earned the love of everyone from Leeds to UK and then everyone in uh, Argentina. You need to have that, you know, you need to get these people in. You want them to be like, I love Houston. I'm going to die here at H-Town. That's the kind of energy that, you know, the front office or like whoever's in charge has to bring in order to bring a good coach, you know, so someone with this kind of experience. Uh, I see you're getting a shout out from Robin Davis. She says, it's Hattie with a smiley face. Uh, and Mella repeats, Hattie. Everybody loves Hattie. We know that. Uh, Hattie gets more love than I do. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, probably true. I'm not going to lie. Deservedly so, you know. Absolutely. Hey, I will, I will back <laughs> it up. Deservedly so, 100%. Uh, nobody gives hugs like Hattie gives hugs. Uh, that almost sounds like a rap. <laughs> oh, man. No lie. Uh, only only Whiskily Press. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks, Giuseppe. Oh, that makes me happy. It's Sean. Um, oh, thanks, Robin. Oh, the love is the love is mutual. I promise you guys, the love is genuinely mutual. <laughs> uh, but yeah, talking, you know, talking Kenny Bundy. You know, some of the other things that were mentioned is his style of play, his understanding of the players, uh, his capability to capture the locker room. Uh, and you know, even though he's kind of a rah rah coach, and some veteran players don't necessarily. Uh, you know, uh, follow that or don't necessarily buy into that. He's found buy-in from all of the players, even the veterans. Um, I, you know, I, I think that, uh, oh, I appreciate that, Mella. Thank you. Um, but I, I appreciate the, the sentiment behind that. And I think that is a sentimental level pick. Um, but I think the reality is it's kind of like, and, and Hattie, we were talking about this before, but it's kind of like the dash situation, dash situation. You have a coach yeah. in Sarah Loudon, uh, who who is is proving herself at the NWSL level? She's doing very well um, in the first what was it four or five six matches of the season? How many ever it was before the dash uh, announced and named that they had had brought over or were bringing over Juan Carlos Amoros um, to be the head coach with her sticking around as an assistant. I really feel like similar to that situation. That's maybe the the approach that the Dynamo need to take. How do you feel about that? Does that make sense to you? I think that's a great point. I think that's something that the Dash did. You, you're right. The Dash did it, and they've done it with incredible success. And hey, I can only read what's you know based on what's been said in the in the media, what's been said uh, online, and what we see. But it seems like they have a great functional partnership. They work together, and you know, for the first time, the Dash are in the playoffs. So maybe the Dash laid out the blueprints of what the Dynamo need to do. Yeah, that's that's kind of a huge point is that uh, the other the other piece to that puzzle, right, is Sarah and Juan Carlos Amoros are both very tactically minded and tactically intelligent individuals and coaches. They understand and see the game. I wouldn't say necessarily similarly. They have different opinions on certain things, but they both see it at such an insanely detailed level. They see a lot of the small things, small changes that they can implement and make from even the way that players are playing a specific position to players playing in different positions uh, all the way through formational setups and 
And, you know, something that was even mentioned in the article about Bundy is his tendency to be able to break down opposition game tape or uh, just the opposition in general and point to things that are weaknesses that the opposition have that the Dynamo can exploit. And to me, that's a lot very similar to what I've seen the Dash do throughout this season. And to me, that speaks to another reason why I think Bundy as an assistant coach makes a lot of sense. You can still have that with somebody else who is just as tactically minded and they can mesh together. And I think that can work really, really well in MLS. Um, it might be one of the yeah. first times that we've seen outside of Tata Martino and, and maybe one mm -hmm. or two other international coaches be able to be successful in MLS. Go ahead, Hattie. Now, the, Robin brings up a good point in the chat about, you know, whether it's too early to tell from, like, you know, the whole Bundy effect. And this kind of made me think about another point in the fact that would Bundy be okay with the same role that Loudon is to JCA, finding a coach that would be willing to have that kind of partnership? Are we sure that it's not just something that's unique for the Dash or if this is something that's truly, like, plausible, that's something that, you know, a dream team that we could bring for the Dynamo that in which – both can work together and, you know, create a playoff uh, pushing team. Yeah, I think I remember when Pat was on Glenn's show a few weeks ago, not the most recent one, but prior to that, I think Pat mentioned that when Bundy was given the interim title, it was very clear, made very clear to Bundy that, you know, he would be he would be able to apply or, you know, put his, his name in the hat for the head coach position permanently at the end of the season. But it, you know, the dynamo were very much not looking to go that direction. I almost get the sense from what I've heard from Pat and what I've heard insider side that the dynamo have already pegged one or two guys that they were going to heavily chase after to try to nab uh, because they are very interested in getting a guy that's proven and, you know, Bundy, for, for everything that we love him for, the one thing that you have to admit about him is that he's not a proven head coach in MLS. Yes, he's won a, a small string of matches. He's won two matches. He's, you know, he's coached out of four matches so far. One loss, one draw, and two wins, one on the road. Um, that's, that's nothing to sneeze at. That's a fantastic record for an interim head coach. But we also know from watching this team that this team was better than they were playing under Nagamura. And I have yeah. to wonder if maybe there's a little bit of the, kind of the knee-jerk reaction of, well, this guy's better than Nagamura, so he's got to be the next guy. Go ahead, Hattie. Yeah, we, there's definitely a point to that. I mean, the players themselves just look brighter in general. Like, you see them, like, you know, more, you can see, like, the excitement in them when they, when they bring it on the pitch. You definitely it, – it felt dull when you put him in comparison to where – you know, the last five games before uh, Nagamura was sacked and then where we are right now. And maybe that's just, you know, the new coach effect. That's just something that, you know, you see in most clubs. You know, you fire your coach and then you see a good performance after that. And, you know, that could just be the case. I mean, but, you know, Bundy has had some successes here with Dynados. And, you know, uh, you know, a light success so far with uh, the Dynamo. I mean, we, I, we pulled away with some wins that I don't think many people expected. So, I mean, I guess that's why you were having this conversation of Bundy for uh, head coach. Look, look, he's had five. He's going to have five matches after the L.A. match this weekend on Sunday here in Houston. Uh, if he, you know, if the team goes out and wins against L.A. Galaxy and plays a uh, spoiler for L.A. Galaxy, I don't think we have a chance of knocking them out of the playoffs necessarily, but a chance to keep them from maybe hosting a first round matchup or something like that seems very fun. Uh, but the other flip side of that is also, 
Um, you, you know, everything related to Kenny Bundy, uh, you know, again, I'm going to come back to this, but it, it kind of centers on this whole whole thing of how many ma- how many matches do you have to give a guy before you start to, you know, you, you, you before you kind of look at him seriously. I think that Pat is looking at him seriously to some extent. But again, if Pat's already had a guy or two or three guys in mind or as a specific mold for a coach in mind, if Bunny Bundy doesn't fit that, then yeah, he's you know he's a Plan B type player uh, type coach. But he's probably he, he's definitely not the first choice. He's not going to be the second choice. Probably not going to be the fifth choice, to be honest. I mean, yeah, he's a good fallback plan. But outside of that, I I just struggle to I, I struggle to see how putting Kenny Bundy as your coach for next season or beyond is a wise move at this point in Pat's tenure. Again, a GM who has not had a good successful record with the Dynamo so far, granted only one and a half, one season, give or take. Uh, but a guy who it's very clear that he's being, he's been given a lot of pressure from Ted, uh, the owner. Um, and, and I have to wonder if that's going to play, you know, play a little bit into this. And, you know, if I'm Pat, if you're Pat and you're sitting there and you have to choose between Kenny Bundy to saddle your horse with Kenny Bundy or a proven head coach from another league, maybe in France or maybe in Spain, uh, you know, maybe it's a, it's, it's a, a La Liga B team or, um, you know, a, a Serie a Seri B team or, you know, whatever. Um, I, I think you have to accept that if, if you're Pat, you're probably going that route before you go Kenny Bundy. Yeah. I, I kind of think that, uh, I know a lot of people and I like to call the Dynaverse, uh, have been upset with, uh, Pat and his recent choices. And I'm not going to use this as, you know, a, a huge excuse for him. I mean, on one hand, Nagamura has more wins than uh than Tab did for, for in both of his t- t- tenures in both years as his, in his tenure. But I think it's just I have faith in Pat in general. I think you know he wants you know Houston to succeed. It's not just his job on the line. There's a little bit of pride for himself, and I think it, you know a huge, uh, head coach mistake is a big one, but nonetheless it's one mistake. I don't think any of the players they brought in so far were anything to shirk at. I mean, I get. I know. I, okay, I can understand that Thiago. Uh, you know, he came out and said it himself. But I think so far there's been a good movement forward, and sometimes it, you got to make a mistake to. You, know, you got to crack a few eggs before you know you make your yourself a nice dynamo pie. Absolutely, one hundred percent. You know, there's a few shout outs for different names throughout the. Uh... Uh, you know, throughout the show so far, and I'm sure there will be more. Uh, and there's obviously been plenty thrown out on social media, Twitter, Instagram, uh, even Facebook. I've seen plenty of people responding to Dynamo uh, posts on there uh, with various names. Um, I, I think, you know, guys like Dominic, Dominic, Dominic Torrent, uh, Turin, um, who, uh, who who coached New York Red Bulls, uh, you know, in the academy. And he also I think he was a season as like assistant coach with New York Red Bulls. Um, had a pretty good record with them uh, before moving overseas. You know, I, I think there's guys out there that just fit the mold that Pat's probably looking for. Um, and I think we just need to to let him do his work. Um, I, I would I would be upset if Pat takes into account what we as fans have to say, especially those fans who are who are who are you know pushing for Bundy to be the hire. Um, you know, I, I hope that Pat is doing his due diligence this time and actually doing as much reaching out to various coaches that he would love to see coach the dynamo. And again, Mark and I have talked about this before as a GM or as a person in that position where you're hiring a guy, 
sometimes you have to be willing to make the first phone call. You can't just rely that the guy that you want is going to be willing to make the put the application in. Maybe the guy feels that putting in an application is above him, um, you know, and so he doesn't he doesn't feel like he should have to do that. And and there are some coaches out there that, frankly, they shouldn't have to. And you don't know if you have a shot until you at least give it a shot, you know, give give them a call and find out or give their agent a call and find out. So uh, hopefully Pat is doing that legwork, doing that groundwork. I have to think the fact that he's in Europe right now and has been uh, is a sign that maybe they're working on something already. Maybe they again, I'm everything points to they probably already had something in the works or had some some calls that they had made. Uh, so I'm hopeful that that's the case. And, and we, you know, we see something pretty. Uh, pretty decent, you know, maybe it, it, similar to Juan Carlos Amoros. It's not a name that necessarily was going to shock anybody in terms of, mm-hmm. oh man, the dash got that big of a name. You know, it's not going to be that type of guy, I don't think, but it's going to be somebody who comes with a pedigree uh, and somebody who just comes with the capability and intelligence to be able to carry the team um, in terms of coaching. And, and that is something that the Dynamo has sorely lacked, um, you know, again, getting a lot closer with Bundy. But again, I, I just don't feel that Bundy is the right the right answer there. Um, I don't yeah. want I don't want to beat this horse any more than we already have. Um, but uh, let's talk about Dinah Dose because uh, we got about five minutes before I really want to start talking Dash. Um, but uh, Dinah Dose. So they played uh, St. Louis FC um, this past weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Last weekend. Does that sound right? I think it was two weekends ago. Two weekends ago. I don't know. I'm losing yeah. track. Uh, yeah, it's been right. a busy couple of weeks to say the least. Uh, but they played, uh, they played St. Louis FC. Uh, they were up two nil going into, I believe halftime surrendered a goal late uh, and then a second goal late. Uh, and then unfortunately it went to PKs and they lost in PKs uh, for their first season uh, in MLS next pro. I thought they played exceptionally well throughout the season, especially given some of the drastic changes that had to be made at various points in the season, players moving, from Dynados up to the Dynamo senior team, getting no minutes with the senior team, and then going back to play with Dynados and having to kind of you know shift back into that, um, and, and then Bundy at the end of the season getting called up essentially to the Dynamo as interim head coach, uh, leaving them the Dynados uh, cl- our team with uh, with uh, the former assistant as their new uh, new head coach. Um, so uh, you know. Sad to see them bow out. It was the semifinals and MLS next pro is a very short playoff uh, uh, setup, but uh, sad to see them go out, but very proud of how they played the season. Very proud of how they ended the season and ended up their season. Uh, And we look to next season for even bigger and better things. I think there's a lot to be um, excited about. I think there's a lot from just a youth perspective within the Dynamo organization to be excited about. Any particular thoughts on the Dynados season, Dynados playoff match, uh, anything like that? Yeah, there's a there's tons of that that was going through my head when I first when I was watching it, and just like if any if any of the Dynados uh, kids are watching or hearing, I just hope they don't let 30 minutes of one game define their whole season because Agreed. they were flying, they were just flying throughout the season, and just they you, everyone was wishing just. This was the team that we were watching at PNC, like on primetime. Like we wanted, everyone wanted these kids out and about, you know, balling out. It's just, they played good football and they they really kept their heads up high. And, you know, especially in that, in that final match, they were, they played, going to the halftime, like we were just, everyone was thought, okay, this is in the bag, you know, we're going to, they're going to go all the way. And they really had that kind of spirit. And it's just, 
it was a little disappointing for that, like, you know, for them to like let that slip from them, but it happens. That's the sport. Do you, uh, do you feel like that, uh, let's call it slippage, uh, that <laughs> slippage as it were, do you feel like that is becoming a bit of a dynamo, uh, identity almost in a way it's becoming a common theme that we've seen from the dynamo, uh, in the last few seasons, letting matches slip late. Uh, do you feel like that played into it at all? And I'm only asking because I actually didn't get to watch much of the match. I think I was probably in Seattle or traveling from Seattle. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just a bit of a I can't say if this is something that's, you know, every coach has had this, but like I think in our most in the last few coaches that have both coached the Dynamo and also now Dynados at in the end, it just seems like at the end, like, you know, once the going gets good, you know, okay, it's time to, you know, defend our house, which I, anyone who knows me, I am very much anti-parking the bus. I think, you know, trying to lock up the defense allows for more, like the more ch- chances the ball is in your side of the half is more opportunities for them to score. So I think you just got to keep, you know, your knives sharp. You keep coming at them, you know, even if it's the 85th minute, you keep trying to score the next goal. I just think, you know, that kind of mindset that we've had lately and uncorrelated, correlated, however you want to take it, it's, you know, it's it's a mentality I think we need to break. And we need a coach that, you know, whether it's for both Dynados or the Dynamo, you need someone, you know, wants to have a proactive approach to winning a game. Like, whether it's, like, in the first half, second half, or, you know, at the end of the day, you play 90 minutes and you have to, you know, put an effort to win every, like, every minute of the 90 minutes. Do you feel that, uh, shifting gears a little bit, do you feel that Juan Carlos Amoros is, is a sit back and defend coach when it, when it comes to having a lead or is he a, is he a coach that just says, screw that we're going for it. You know, we're going to put the the foot on the throat, so to speak. And we're going to snap that neck. He's, he's kind of got me confused in that sense. And then this is, it's, a, it's a little annoying. And I'm just going to like, you know, I'll get more into that. Like later. I mean, we're there. But Come it, on, it, let's go. Yeah, There are times where he, like, you know, he, he's been like, you know, okay, it's time to defend. And like, we just like, we park the bus or like, you know, we kind of like go a full uh, like 180 on whatever we're doing. And then there are times where he goes and puts like five attackers in like, like, like right in like three attacking subs. And it's just like, you know, he kind of goes on both ends and, and like there are times he's successful. So I like, you know, I can't like I can't say anything to or for it, but there are times it's just like, come on, you, that's not, it's just that, that I never feel like that's how it works. You know, you're never supposed to like, go all in at the like 80th minute by like just putting every attacking player you have on your squad onto the pitch. It's just like, there needs to be a good balance. And I think he's, you know, finding it as he goes. I mean, otherwise I don't think we would be, we are where we're, where we are. It's just, there've been some games I just sat there and I'm just like, my guy, like, just, <laughs> no words. Just like my hands just, up and around. Uh, so I assume you're going to the match on the 16th, right? Absolutely. I Absolutely. Mean, if you weren't, Wouldn't I would have been extremely sad. Uh, yeah. So uh, let's talk about Houston Dash uh, notching their first ever home uh, 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 playoff berth in NWSL, but also uh, hosting their first ever NWSL playoff match as well against the KC Current. Uh, and uh, so uh details what time is the match okay. you know give me details yeah 
So just for the quick details, it's uh, on October the 16th, which is a Sunday at 4 p.m. And if you don't have a ticket already, you should, but the best way to get the ticket, you can get it straight through SeatGeek right now. It's open to all fans to buy and, you know, it's 7139, you know, every it's $7 beer or $7 tickets, uh, $1 hot dogs, $3 beers for anyone who, you know, for the first time they're hearing about 713. So I don't think there's any excuse for anyone to not seize this opportunity for, because who, who, who is selling a $7 ticket for a playoff game in any league? Maybe the Sabercats, maybe. I can't speak for that. So I'm pretty yeah, sure they're like thirteen dollars. You know, but maybe, maybe we're gonna we we get Robin to speak on that. But um, yeah, it's gonna be a big game. It's happening in a week and a half, and you know, there's all there's not much to say in, in that sense. But you know, keep an eye out for details for the pregame or for any sort of tailgate. You know, there's still talks in the work, but right now everyone's trying to you know spread the word, fill up the stadium. You know. Pack your house. Bring anyone who anyone who's got a pulse. Just bring it in. Let, let's just show the deck some love. Yeah, Robin even said saber cats are even more expensive than seven dollars. There you go. I mean, you, you can't look. It, it's it's playoffs. It's soccer, and it's the Houston Dash for seven bucks. I mean, yeah. you really can't go wrong. And if parking's an issue, park somewhere else and take the take the uh, light rail over. Yeah, I mean. I, I, People have seen, I know a lot of people just come in for their, the Dynamo for, on some games that we knew that it was just never going to happen. But, hey, I think if you show, like, it's just about, you know, showing the city some love, you know. they Like, we're talking we're talking the Dash. They need us. They need us to come out. And, hey, there's no, there's no, I think they've, the Dash have limited every single excuse that they could have come up for why you shouldn't come out on such a day. Yeah, Sunday evening too. I mean, that just that just fits everything perfectly. Um, you know, it's not a super late match, so you don't have the excuse of, well, it ends too late and I got work the next morning. I don't GTE. I don't care. Yeah. Um, but you know, not only that, it's Sunday evening, which means that you have no excuse about traffic. So yeah, like all I agree with you. Like all the excuses that people would have, uh, the Dash have done everything that they can. To eliminate those excuses and i think a lot of that probably plays from the aspect of uh you know the dash front office the the business side they're trying to make this an opportunity to really invigorate a fan base um, and try to draw as many fans uh of soccer uh to the women's side to the dash uh in particular uh because you know we've got a winner on our hands um and you know it wasn't that long ago that they won challenge cup and a lot of people showed up to to, to show their appreciation for that. Um, so you have to think that this is probably going to be a pretty solid turnout. I've seen some people speculate, you know, 10 to 13,000. I think that's probably fair. Uh, but I also believe that it's entirely possible if people get off their butts uh, and buy a $7 ticket, again, seven bucks, come on, people, uh, a $7 ticket, there, there's every possibility that they could sell out this match in the upper bowl too. Uh, and, and why wouldn't you want to? There's just not a reason. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we talked about waking the sleeping giant that is the Houston market, and I think this is a, a great opportunity for us to do so. I mean, uh, our biggest, for the Houston Dash, the biggest attendance that they ever had was in 2015, and that was 13,025 people. 
can we break that? Hell yeah, I think we can. I think it, it, there's everything about this team and doing what they can. I mean, let's look, let's talk about this season. We're talking, this is a historic season by all accounts. From the fact that, you know, we first playoff berth ever, you know, in nine years. And then after that, you know, we talked about having the most wins under our belt in a season, the most points total we've ever had, 36 points. And uh, their best placement in the regular season being fourth place. I mean, and to be fair, we're tied with uh, the, uh, with fifth and third. So it could have gone either way. Easily could have gone. And on top of that, we've had, you know, our first ever away wins uh, over at, against Kansas City this season. And I'm talking about the current, not the, uh, you know, the previous one prior to like 2015. I I just consider, you know, everything after 20, 20 you know, new dash you know it's time for you know a whole new dash as uh rachel daly uh, said when she left but it, yeah first ever went away wins for in seattle kc and then as well as having you know a positive golden differential which i know that doesn't sound like much to most but like for a team like you got to look at like a team like the dash you got to look at every single thing that they've done differently and it's just we're talking about a whole new life to it like a, the way that they've uh, brought on the pitch and on the staff, uh, both on the field pitch and then as well as behind in the FO, we're talking about new changes and a positive foot forward. And like in two games this season, we had the highest attendance in the last five years, like the home opener and the home ender. So I think, you know, we're talking about a season where there's so much reason for things to be happening in a good sense. Like there's no reason why we can't go all the way. There's absolutely no reason. It's just we're, we're paving the way and making all these new changes in, you know, both on the field and then off the field. And I think with that in mind, you know, we're, we're breaking every sort of record that we could have had. And so to me, it's just that's what's so great about, you know, the Houston Dash. That's what's so great about what they're doing. That's a great reason for everyone to come out and see what they're doing because we're talking about them reaching heights that, you know, we always hoped they could, but you know what? Now's the fact. Now's the time that they can't actually can. Yeah. There's some good points being brought up in the chat. The Astros do have a playoff game. It is an away game on October 16th. Uh, but this is also the first, uh, you know, the, the division series. Um, let's be fair. When it comes to the Astros, we all know they're going to advance to the ALCS. Um, so who really cares about the ALDS? It's just another team for them to step on their throats and break their backs anyways. Uh, and the Texans have a bye. So, uh, you know, there's no excuse. Uh, absolutely no excuse. And and come on, the Astros play seven ga- or five games in that series. So, it, you know, you miss that one. Okay, go to the next one. They're going to have at least two home matches. Uh, you know, so, yeah, no excuses, no excuses, no excuses. End of day, $7. Go get your ticket on, on uh, SeatGeek if you haven't already. Uh, and, uh, yeah, show up and show out. Um, uh, the only left, only thing left for people to do to have no excuses for, uh, you know, Mayor Turner to just close all the highways, except for the ones that lead straight to PNC, you know, there's, there's, you got every chance, you know, it's time to, if you love H town, it's time to show it, you know, put your mouth, how many way your mouth is. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and no greater opportunity than a, uh, first ever home playoff berth. Uh, and again, you know, it's, if you've never been to a women's soccer match, if you've never been to a Houston dash match, if you've never been to an NWSL match, 
you are absolutely missing out if you're only a fan of the Houston Dynamo. Yes, Mark, I'm talking to you specifically. Um, but, you know, trust me, trust me when I say this. It is absolutely worth going. The atmosphere is incredible. Uh, and I guarantee you that it is going to be bouncing that night. Uh, and trust me, the players are going to feed off that energy, no doubt about it. Uh, so they need everybody to show up. They need everybody to be loud. They need everybody to be obnoxious. I don't even care. Be obnoxious. Go for it. But they need every single person that can show up to show up because uh, they need all the advantage against KC. And speaking of KC, who should we be looking out for in this match? Who do we need to be worried about? You know, I'm not going to lie to you. KC, if, if we wanted to say there was a team that truly was a wild card in this league, Kansas City fits it like a dime. It's We're talking a team about a team that, you know, has pulled off some of the most – Okay, I know we were talking about, you know, Gen Orange After Dark, but shit, Housery wins. <laughs> like, this is the team. Like, if, let's look at some of their players. Um, if anyone hasn't been on social media or, you know, it's been like hiding under a rock, uh, Luau uh, Labonte, one of the team's best players, and also m mostly well known for, you know, her most famous uh, twerk uh, goal celebration. Yeah, just on a side note, you know, her scoring a penalty, doing something like that's probably one of my biggest nightmares at this point. Don't think I could recover from that. But anyways, you know, she's led the team with uh, seven goals and four assists. So she led the team in both goals and assists. So definitely, you know, a game changer of a player. Probably the closest thing to if for people to understand, they're Rachel Daly. Yep, absolutely. Um, another big one, uh, you know, for people who know her, Cece Kaiser. Formerly uh, a Dash player, and since she ever since she left, she's been making like her name headlights. You know, making a big impact first with Louisville when she went there, then afterwards when she came to KC because she also tied for the most goals uh, for KC that season with seven goals and only lagged behind uh, Levanta with uh, one assist less with, with being seven goals and three assists. So uh, she's making hell of an impact. And again, like Robin brings up a great point. Like there are times that, you know, we pulled away with a win and other times we struggle, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, what's going on with, uh, what, you know, what's going on with us and KC? We just kind of like, you know, lag throughout a whole game. So is it one of the teams that I, you know, is this the best uh, outcome for us, you know, us playing KC? I mean, I would have preferred Chicago considering that we, you know, whooped them like real well. Uh, both times over, but you know these are the cards we're dealt with. And again, uh, George, just to give you an, just to let you know, Sam Lewis uh, got injured at the very beginning of the season, so she wasn't a part of this playoff push, and she will probably won't be playing for this game at all. Darn, so and, sad. You know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I mean, again, if you want to think about the about the injuries there, it's um, we're. we're it's sad to say, but we are also came out lucky the fact that both their two two of their other best players, um, Lynn Williams, you know, great strike for the United States national team, and you know has made a lot of impact both there and her time in North Carolina. She's also out for Casey as well. The only other threat we could probably have is the fact that you know they have AD French in goal, you know, a former United States women's national team keeper, and I don't I feel like uh, for anyone who's watched the national team, I mean, she made great strides and. Her time uh, in the 2019 World Cup and then games since. You know, she's always fighting for a starting spot with Alyssa Nair. 
So really, this is not a team to really just snicker at. Also, like, you know, if, if, if you think that if you think that Casey can drop a stinker, they absolutely can. Uh, another like a big factor that I feel like that that's not really known is they do have the most penalties awarded this season. So they know how to draw one. So we got we got as long as we play it safe and goal and you know shut them out, this could be a win. And you know we can all be celebrating the first ever playoff win in Dash history. And importantly, there is no VAR in NWSL, so uh, yeah, yeah. referees' yeah. decisions abound, and they're not usually great. So yeah, and pro refs. I, I don't think I've ever heard anything positive about, about them in the last two years for any league. So you know, if 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 you if you dash faithful, if you have another faith, you know, start praying because some of these refs, it's just oh boy. Yeah, for sure. So. Uh, you, there's plenty of players on their side to look out for. Who who on the dash? For those that maybe aren't acquainted with the dash, who who what players on the dash? Maybe the unsung heroes of the Houston Dash. Uh, who are your you know who are those players that people should look out for when they go go to the game? That's a hard question for me because look, I'm, the dash is one of those teams where I just love every player that you know. If you sign for the dash, you know, absolutely, like you're in my, my book of as one of the best people in the world. But if we like if we had to crack down, Ryan Garris definitely has been popping off in her inaugural season as part of the Dash and in the NWSL. You think she's going to start, and if so, is she starting at uh, at at uh, fullback or is she starting at winger or midfielder? Because she's played all three now. Yeah, I mean that's that's the hard question. <laughs> How is that going to work? Uh, and, you know, she's played all three, and you know, she's the thing is, I do think she's going to start. I, she started in the last few games, and I definitely think that any game that she like a good more than 35 minutes exactly she's a game changer she you know she brings that like you know spark she's that pacey player you want but also you know she attacks like sanchez i mean so ryan garris great so i mean sophie schmidt very underrated but you know she's been a really like you know pinnacle i think in our midfield and it's just the fact that you know there's a lot of players that can play multiple positions and it's just getting that just right kind of works out but aside from like Schmidt and uh, Garris, definitely Vigiano as well. She like yeah. she, I don't like when we first signed her like in that trade for Megan Oyster. I'm gonna be honest, I really I thought, what is this trade? I don't really understand this. I mean, look, and she she never been more wrong. It, it felt like she kind of put the league on notice with that Vigi rocket last week. I mean, what a goal! Yeah. What a goal! I mean, I mean, everyone anyone everyone just started realizing, okay, oh, she's there, <laughs> you know, but even throughout the entire season, she was part of that. Like you, you don't think about your defensive midfielders or central midfielders as like midfield maestros, but you know, they're the ones pulling it together. Yep. And so they've really been like very pinnacle. And honestly, you can go on, you can really go on about any of the other players because a lot of them have just showed up in ways that you wouldn't have expected. Important question. Is Ebony salmon available for this match? Yes. Well, God, you know, God forbid what happens in this English, uh, in, in this, okay, this whole like a uh, FIFA window right now for the friendlies. It's just well, so many players on the English uh, national team have already been injured and sent home. We're talking about like at least three or four of them right now. So to me, I'm, I'm praying to God right now. You know, she comes back home safe. It's just 
Yep, Robin said the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just like having a FIFA window right before a class. Was, it, I can go on and about how much I hate it and how much, like, you know, it brings the fear of God into me. Yeah. It, oh, go ahead. But yeah, it's, it, it just depends. If, if she comes back home healthy and safe, she's popping off, I think. She's going to pop off uh, that game. I'm kind of thinking, you know, if Salmon is, you know what, we're going we're gonna to speak it into existence, as they say. Salmon's going to come back. She's going to be ready and rearing. First ever home playoff berth for the, the Dash. Uh, all the players will be, but especially Salmon. I feel like Salmon is going to get at least a brace against KC. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be before halftime. I think yeah. this is going to be this is going to be one of those matches where there's just so much energy among the players, among the fans. Uh, and to your point, really, the, the primary focus is just don't give up the fouls in the box. Uh, you know, and don't let them have the space, close that space. But if they can do those two things, I think there's every reason to believe, no doubt about every reason to believe that this team can win, uh, and and make their way deeper into the playoffs in the NWSL. And that is exciting. But yeah, I, I, I got a feeling about salmon and that, that brace coming up on, uh, on the 16th. Uh, oh, Giuseppe says she's going to get a Hattie. I can, I can, you know, a brace is just a, it's one goal less than a Hattie. So a Hattie is just a brace with an extra goal. I'll take that. You know, I think she can. I mean, she always plays her best when, you know, she's got something to prove. And I think for herself, as well as like everyone else, you know, she came to the dash, scored eight goals faster than anyone uh, in the league. But now, and now, you know, especially after what Robin brings up the point that, you know, she's going to be playing for England as like a starting role. I think she's after that performance, she's going to have something to prove for everybody. You know, this is, you know, she can very but well be like you know the number nine for England, and she needs to show up not only for her national team but here in the league, and she has the opportunity to do so. And I think she knows it, and I think she can take it in stride and take it to the goal, and hopefully a hat for Patrick for all of us to celebrate. Yeah, that'll be worthy of a beer, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, Giuseppe, uh, worthy of a beer. Uh, all right. So, uh, any other players on the dash? What about goalkeeper Jane Campbell? I mean, she's obviously not unsung. Everybody knows who she is. Uh, but, uh, talk about somebody who doesn't get the, in my personal opinion, the respect that she deserves. Uh, Jane Campbell thoughts. Yeah, I think Jane, it's just hard to say like unsung because to me, she's our legend, like our new legend. I mean, she's the most, she's the highest, uh, she has the most caps on the team versus anyone. She had her, uh, she just played our 100th game for the Dash. And I think it's just, it's hard to imagine like the team with, like, you think of the Dash, like everyone thinks like Sam and Maria, and that's great. I think Jane Campbell, first thing. Yeah. And, you know, she, she's in clutch in so many uh, different games. And I think, like, you know, the games that we, you know, we've given up, it's always been like, you know, just a little like, you know, your your, your brain just kind of like pauses for a second. And it's just like, that happens. And yep. it, it, I don't think she made, she made very like little mistakes throughout the season. And I'm like, you know, just because of that, I think, you know, she is a great player. She's a great for us. And I think, you know, she understands that, you know, this is, she, she even said that, you know, this is our first playoff game. I think she's going to, focus on focus up and you know she's gonna save every goal she gets thrown at her yeah let's hope (laughs) because 
that I mean, if she can save every goal thrown at her, then uh, you know what? That means the dash win because at some point she's gonna have you know we're gonna have to get one before she gives one up if she saves everyone that thrown yeah, at her. I mean, it's the age old story of something's gotta give. You know? Something's gotta give. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it won't be Jane. Uh, all right. Uh, let's talk defenders because you know you've named a lot of attacking players, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of midfield players. I'll give you Sophie Schmidt if you want to consider like a, a central mid that tends to play more defensively. Uh, but uh, defenders that may be, in my opinion, maybe the weakest area of the field for the dash. Thoughts? I would say not in the sense of weakest, but like we definitely have the least amount of depth there. Okay, that's fair. And for a while I would have agreed with you, but I think we've kind of like grown since uh, since the last year and a half. I mean, first of all, like I know it's that she's only played like three or four games, but having the former or the previous uh, defender of the year for, for the NWSL, Chris uh, Tedasco, you know, on our team, that's Incredible. I yeah. think that's a, one of the best signings we could have had that no one expected. Uh, if we want to talk about underrated players, no one wants to, I think no one's brought up the fact that uh, Ali Prysock, who, you know, ominously just vanished, uh, like, from last season, went on loan in France and came back, and now she's starting every game right alongside Katie Naughton. I mean, like, again, I, I feel like a lot of the goals against the Dash this season have just been, like, I mean, and I'm talking about in this sense, like games that were close have just been, you know, like your brain just like pausing for a second, just like, oh, like, you know, these kinds of stupid mistakes. But like, I think they've it, that partnership of like not and price lock have just been like, they've been shoring it up. You know, the, the fact that they've been able, they're both uh, been able to hold it down. Like, and, you know, also they're, if we want to talk about the way that they distribute, it's just, it's, I think th those two together have been like the pairing that no one expected to be as good as they are, to be, you know, one that carries us into the playoffs. Yeah, I'll definitely agree with that. Uh, Persak uh, definitely has been an unsung hero this season. Again, as you've noted, kind of stepped in, coming from what felt like from nowhere. Um, you know, not a player that was necessarily heavily involved for the Dash, uh, you know, this, the prior season. Uh, ended up going out uh, to France, as you noted, and then came back and suddenly is a stalwart defensively at center back. Um, nobody saw that coming. I mean, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Jen Cooper. You did not see that coming. Uh, yeah. But that is, you know, that that is to some extent what I expect from a Juan Carlos Amoros in uh, 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 a Sarah Loudon, being able to pinpoint those players that maybe they need an opportunity somewhere else to get just a bit of a different perspective uh, or just of a different a different view, if you will. Um, sometimes a different view of the field, a different perspective on the pitch. Sometimes off the pitch. Sometimes just a change of location. Um, but uh, either way, yeah, she's been just outstanding at center back. Um, and of course, Katie Naughton. I mean, there's you you can't say enough about Katie Naughton. But to be fair, you know everybody just expects Katie Naughton to be great. Um, but I, I, the only reason I said I think, in my opinion, the weakest link is because I feel like even though it's very in my opinion, a fairly young attack, unless you're counting in Govan, um, a fairly young attack for the Dash. I feel like even though they're very young, they have a lot of very good pieces in various positions that can do it. And 
Uh, I think that, you know, to me, that makes them very strong across the board. I think they're strong in the midfield a lot of the times and they're strong in the attack. Uh, and so that just kind of and they're not, you know, you I don't care what you have to say about Jim Campbell. They're strong at goalkeeper. So if there is a weak link on the dash, it would be the defense, in my opinion. It's definitely a fair point. For yeah. Sure. And that's kind of more just, what I was going for. Yeah. And God, like, it's just it's one of those things like. God or whoever forbid that, you know, there's an injury because we really do not have the depth for that. You know, it's it, like having those two as our like both uh, having both uh, Price Lock and then not in both as our CBs, they really like, they were those stalwart defenders. It's just like, we've really been like maneuvering, like um, uh, JC has really thought about like, how do we, like, how do you play the left and right back positions? Cause we've seen a lot of, you know, Garris and uh, Alozi sometimes playing those positions. And, you know, for me, I'm personally, you don't put an attacker and a right or left back, you know, position, just not because like they can not do the job. Well, I mean, they could, you know, they're, they're, the, they're those players that can, they're, they're just dynamic wherever they are on the pitch. It's just, if you put them in those positions, then they're not going to be as dynamic or, and, you know, bring the, you know, bring what they need for the team. You know, like if you put Garrison left back or right back, then they're not, she's not over helping scoring assists or putting in assists and scoring goals. It's just one of those things that, you know, you sure they can be great in the sides. It's just, you know, you need them where they need to be. And it's just with that in mind, we really don't have too much depth on in the fullback positions either. So that's where like, you know, if you constantly have, you know, moving, those positions in and out with different players. It's, it's, there's a reason why they come at us on those sides instead of just straight into the box. Yeah, absolutely. So George says trade groom ASAP. What are your thoughts? I don't know. What to think I don't about know if that. I agree with that. I really don't. Uh, there are definitely times where like, you know, put groom on and if you, if you're able to isolate her, then, it, you know, it's easy. It's just as easy as being like pocketed you know like right in the middle of the field it's but like i think she's a great player who's been able to you know be just as dynamic as as um vigiano in terms of like pushing the ball forward i mean i think george is right we do need uh a true number 10 role on the like on the field you have that and you know ebony salmon and everyone else uh will be able to you know move in and like score the goals because a lot of our goals nowadays are aside from set pieces they're coming from you know a lot of uh wingers coming in with like either nichelle prince or maria sanchez like or ryan garris coming in from the sides you know throwing the uh throwing the balls all straight into the box and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't you really but it comes a point where you really need to like open up the center and it's I truly think that Groom can, but she definitely plays more of a diamond, like more of that dynamic center forward role, even though she, you know, she kind of is more of a mid, she, her, her true position is in midfield, but she does seem like more of the scoring type rather than like that number 10. But I, I definitely think she's, she didn't bring it to the table. I don't think she should be traded or sold or any of that, but yeah, if I, you, you were I was going to say, I tend to think of Groom as more like a, a a false nine. You know, she's not necessarily the one who's going to be at the top of the diamond or the top of the spear, but she's going to be that player who's going to find herself in that position frequently because 
that uh, striker is a lot of times going to peel off one way or the other, or they're going to draw a defender, and that's going to free up uh, Groom to potentially be able to get an open look at goal. Um, I think Groom has had her struggles this season. I don't think anybody can deny that, but she's also had her moments. And, um, you know, the playoffs are all about moments. So just I would yeah. not, you know, I would not write her off at this point uh, as being pivotal to this run um, into the playoffs. And uh, I guess we'll see come on the 16th. Uh, one way or the other, I, I don't think you necessarily consider trading Groom at this point. I don't know, you know, what level of value she's going to necessarily bring on the trade market at this point. Um, but I also think that that's uh, somebody who's also capable of helping be a team leader. Uh, and I do think this team, you know, needs, uh, you know, one or two additional one of those those types of players. They've got plenty right now. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it doesn't hurt to have somebody like that coming off the bench. Like you said, we're not very deep. So why would you want to thin yourself even more uh, at the depth level uh, and, and and pull her away? I mean, certainly formationally and I think tactically, we don't play to groom strengths yeah. anymore. Uh, but I still think she's a player that, you know, late in a match, the last 10 to 15 minutes, if you put her in the right position, you give her the right opportunity. That's who you want in front of goal. That's who you want at the top of the box. That's who you want flying in with a header. Anybody remember the airplane header? I certainly do. Uh, yeah. you know, not, not to beat the, the dead horse, but it really, it was that those moments in the challenge cup that you know brought her to dash fame and you know, you know, fame on uh, other teams as you know a very likely threat to come at you at goal. And who, you can't say that that can't happen again. Yeah, absolutely not. You know. It, it's like you said, these moments, and she's fully capable of doing so. And who knows if she brings home the title for us? Hey, she just showed everyone why Shagroom is a necessary player for the Houston Dash. Uh, definitely, for sure, one hundred percent. Well, uh, we hit my mark on the amount of time I wanted to talk about the Dash. Hurrah! I'm excited for that. Thirty minutes about Dash makes me very happy because that doesn't happen with Mark. Uh, did not feel like that I'm not gonna lie. That welcome to the show. That's <laughs> yeah. how it usually tends to go. Now let's take 30 minutes on the topic that uh, we need to talk about. Maybe it's not the you know favorite topic of any, everybody right now, but let's talk the Yates investigation. Let's talk about the report. Let's talk about what has happened since. Uh, Hattie, this is your ball to roll, buddy. I'm gonna I'm gonna follow in line. Yeah, I mean for anyone who. Who do, who doesn't know about the Yates investigation yet? Um, after the whole uh, scandal released uh, from the report uh, written by Meglinan for the Athletic back in last October, the uh, the USSF, the United States uh, Soccer Federation, uh, initiated a investigation which had Sally Yates, the former Attorney General for the United States, uh, she who now. I don't necessarily remember the name of her law firm. Oh, sorry, I just froze for a second. You're good. You froze because you're still here. Yeah, no, and my screen uh, went black. Of course it did, because this would be the time that it would do that, right? <laughs> yeah, that's um, yeah, King and Spalding. Okay, I'm just I'm just gonna keep going until you can't hear me anymore. No, we uh, hear you. Keep going. So yeah. Uh, the U.S. Uh, Soccer Federation initiated the uh, the investigation, and she, it took her took them about a year at this point. And the report came out this Monday. And it, while it didn't really change on, it didn't really say what we didn't know already in terms of like 
you know, the big, like the big uh, individuals responsible. It just, it showed us who knew and, and it really showed us how bad it was. And like, it really, because the initial, the initial uh, report was just scratching the surface. And this report really showed who knew what. And it really, again, I, I can't understand how bad, like how bad it was undersold of like what was done and who it was done to. And really, if it wasn't for the, you know, brave act, you know, the bravery of like the four or and everyone else who came forward, like Sinead, Parley, Monashim, Kai McCullen, Aaron Simon, you wouldn't see these people like coming for those who, who it's just, uh, it's hard to put the words together. It's just the fact of what they did and how they kept getting away with it. It, it was just maniacal to say at the least, but what this uh, report ended up showing, it showed that uh, the teams uh, initially that teams like uh, Portland Thorns, Chicago Red Stars, and uh, um, Grayson Louisville. Yeah, those three, those three specifically. Uh, and we're both, uh, we're all impeding the investigation leading up to uh, the release in their own ways and for what they've all done. Because with, uh, with Sally Yates, uh, who in her investigation, she was investigating three. Uh, uh, a few of the coaches uh, leading up to it, namely Chris, uh, Christy Holly, who uh, who uh, served his time uh, or was playing uh, or was coaching over at Racing Louisville, uh, Rory Dames over with Chicago, and Paul Riley when he was uh, with Portland, and then afterwards with North Carolina, and also in addition when he when he was with the WPS, I believe for. Uh, for the uh, Philadelphia Independence, and so yeah, it, it was. Really, we're talking about a 300-page report that really delved into uh, not only like players' uh, rec recounts of uh, the different coaches, but as well as it really highlighted who in the NWSL knew of the uh, reports filed against people like. Uh, Paul Riley and uh, Rory Dames. And it, it turns out that not only did, was it known from like top down, like we, we had Portland's uh, own uh, managerial team and owner who knew about this and chose to do nothing. And, and not only facilitated like uh, Paul Riley's, like uh, they gave him a glowing recommendation, which got him hired with North Carolina. It's just, we had, like you're talking about from the club level, the top, and then as well as the top of the United States uh, Soccer Federation, you've had head coach, um, oh, it was, I'm sorry, with the screen not up. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, it's a little harder to remember the names, but uh, let me just pull it up over here. Pull it up on yeah, your phone. Yeah. Because we're going to have to, apparently. Yeah, uh, the former head uh, head coach uh, who coached the U.S. Uh, national team, women's national team, back in um, back in 2019, as well as the former president, the former uh, NWSL uh, uh, chief uh, director, and um, 
and the list just goes on. We're talking about everyone who's at the top, and it would look good. And as well as uh, the current head coach, Vlatko. Uh, talking about Jill Ellis? Jill Ellis, yes. Oh my God, I don't know why I didn't remember her last name. But yes, Jill Ellis knew as well. And uh, it's again, they, they just, we're talking about like, like multiple, like six players uh, came forward uh, and just highlighted exactly who who said what, who knew what, and at the end of the day, it just showed how deep the rot was, and it went all the way to the top. And I, I think if I remember correctly, when we were talking earlier, it also goes all the way to the deepest levels in terms of downward as well, uh, even into the youth uh, levels and the youth organizations that exist. Um, and, and that, to me, is kind of a scary proposition, right? Because if you're not taking care of it at the youth level, it's going to it's going to pervade itself into everywhere else. It's a trickle up effect almost in a way. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I have to think that it starts at the youth level. Uh, it, it's allowed, you know, it's it's not accepted necessarily, but it's also not dealt with. Uh, and those coaches just continue to make their way up. Those personnel continue to make their way up uh, through the ladder uh, all the way, you know, to, to some of the highest positions. Um, and, and to your point, you know, it it is an absolute uh, disgrace uh, for the U.S. Soccer Federation, for NWSL, um, you know, for Portland, for um, uh, for Chicago, uh, for North Carolina to some extent, uh, and, and even all the way uh, to Racing Louisville. Um, you know, there's just so much of the culture that uh, has existed for so long that, again, it wasn't accepted, but it certainly was not dealt with. Um, and yeah. that, to me, is, is the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway from the investigation was that, you know, certainly there were plenty of, you know, individuals who who didn't accept it for what it was, you know, that they, they, they weren't, um, you know, part and parcel to, to what happened. But they were willing to be, um, you know, um, willing to be, um, oh, what's the word? Uh, willing to be accomplices in a well, uh, you know, willing accomplices in that they didn't didn't do anything about it. In fact, if anything, they tried to cover it up so that, you know, that, that they didn't have to deal with it at all, that they were more concerned about yeah. a potential public backlash. Hello, you're looking at, you know, how many years later and now. You know, now you're you're very well got such a black eye stain at this point that you're probably not going to be able to continue your career in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but you know, it, it's it's damning. It is absolutely damning from the highest level to the lowest level. Um, and, and I think you know, and, and I'm I'm proud of what the Portland uh, Thorns, uh, you know, supporter groups uh, put out in a statement. You know that they're going. You know that. <laughs> They basically yeah. said something's got to be done, you know, at the organizational level and until it is. And, you know, and and I guarantee you that what they've seen in terms of just so far has not been enough um, that yeah. they're going to ask for a whole lot more, um, you know, but it, it's just now. Right. It, we're just at the precipice of this summit. You know, we've reached that peak, so to speak. And there's still two peaks off in the distance that are still in the you know in process. Uh, but I, I look at it and. You know, and, and credit, you know, good good call out, Roosh. Um, you know, I, I credit Alex Morgan for a lot of this because she, 
was not willing to sit on her hands and not let, you know, she used her stature to really force the issue. Um, and huge credit to Meg Linehan for stepping up and, and being willing to take on such a massive story and do it in a way with a lot of respect to the players who suffered through this, to do it with respect to what took place in such a disgusting and disgraceful way, but to have to do it in such a wonderfully covered, thoroughly researched. I mean, she put in so many hours. Meg Linehan deserves so much uh, love and respect for what she did from a media perspective and a journalism perspective. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it, it did, go ahead. Yeah, it really the legwork she put into that. It was just it took a lot of effort, not only for her to like get all the pieces together, but also like the, the fact that you had Chimmy Farley and uh, Monashin come forward, especially after like all the abuse they took. And it's just if anyone like if I, if I knew anyone who had to go through something like that, it's just it's such an soul tearing thing and the fact that they all came together and you know they they didn't stop they didn't just give up and when it easily they easily just could have this wasn't something like this wasn't something like a simple like scandal that just broke this was you know layers and layers of a system that truly like put like you made sure that you know the people responsible were always protected yep. they never they did not protect the players they took no effort to protect the players there was no like no form of like you know no institute institutionalized way for them to you know have them report you know these uh these abusers and uh, just to clarify when i did this it's because everything came back and started working again so, oh nice i didn't even see it because yeah. i was looking at chat because there's been a lot of chat yeah. messages yeah i lost that so hope you know i'll just let, let you there but anyways yeah the fact that you know you there's no there was no way to like well not that there was no way but they really took no effort to create um they, they took no effort to create a way for flagging down like having red flags for anyone coming through this like you know any new coaches the fact that you had christy holly who didn't actually have a license you know a united states coaching license and the fact that he was able to, you know, get hired by uh, uh, Sky Blue, which would later became uh, Gotham, and then into uh, Racing Louisville. And then you had, like, uh, both Rory Dames and the youth system, you know, being able, like, you know, abusing, like, teenagers. And, like, uh, didn't just to specify, he was uh, more or less errant. Like, he did more of a verbal abuse and more, uh, more so, like, just carrying into them, like, psychological abuse. And that he uh, he was doing that way early in the youth system, and they, they took him, and he went straight to women's pro football. And the fact that there was no barrier to you know check people, like checking the youth systems, him as well as Richie Burke, who uh, he he was way before the uh, story got broken, and he was uh, fired for his abuse uh, for in Washington for the Washington Spirit specifically. And if it wasn't, you know, there there was no barriers. There's no, you know, f ways to flag them. And the fact that it took not only one report, but the report, and then as well as the investigation results to for the federation to, you know, finally start thinking, okay, we need to start acting these changes. 
it's just downright like tragic. Like how how when you're creating a organization like the NWSL, when you're creating a league like that, you leave no way for you know people to protect themselves. No uh, framework. It's it's a travesty. Like how do you let, let that happen, and how do you choose to be negligent about that? It's there's no there's no other thing to say that other than those responsible they need to go they, like and th this happened while we were in the middle of uh talking about the dynamo but it looks like that uh arnon whistler the owner of chicago red stars was just removed from the ownership board and i'm not sure into what extent but it looks like he was just removed from his uh from the head of the uh board whether that means he'll sell the team or not we'll see yeah, he's but, not making yeah. he's not making team decisions anymore as yeah. on the board, which is you know it's a step. It's similar to what you know. It's similar to what Portland did. It's a step. There's a lot of things that have happened with them as well uh, in just the last day since this report was released. Uh, but I think what frustrates me more than anything is is reading these articles, whether it was the Athletic or it was Yahoo's article or it was um, another article that was put out by. Uh, I don't even remember what organization put it out. It wasn't the athletic. It was a different organization, but another article that went out and basically it talked, or it was ESPN actually. Um, and it, and it talked about how in the investigative uh, investigation in the report, they made it very clear that they were hindered proactively hindered whether intentionally or otherwise that's up for, for, you know, discussion, but proactively hindered from, from, you know, progressing the investigation at times by the lack of expediency in, in, in receiving requested documentation, receiving, you know, having conversations, um, and, and specifically around those three organizations in terms of racing Louisville, uh, in terms of Portland Thorns, and in terms of Chicago Red Stars. And to me, that is the most disheartening thing because it is at that point that those organizations, whomever is at the highest level, realize their hand was caught in the goddamn cookie jar uh, and, and they knew that they were screwed. They knew that they were going to get pinned to the board for it. And they tried to cover it up. They again, again, for, you know, another time and huge credit to, to Sally Yates for doing her due diligence to dive that in, in depth, to do that many interviews, to, to talk to that many people, to go through that much documentation. You can't come out with a 700 page report without doing that much, 300 page report, sorry, yeah. without doing that much doc, you know, without doing that much legwork, without doing that much due diligence. We all knew that this was going to take a while to come out, but I don't think anybody was anticipating a 300 page report. And it is a credit to, to Sally's intention when she stepped in to say, I'm going to do this. I am going to investigate this at the behest and request of USSF, at the behest and request of NWSL and WSLPA. I am going to investigate this and I'm going to do this the way that it should be done because there absolutely could have been somebody that was brought in that wasn't going to do it at that level and it would have just been whitewashed. It would have just been swept under the rug. You know, yeah, we, we did our investigations. We found the, 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 you know, the incidents that they were talking about, but we didn't find any wrongdoing by the organizations. Whatever. No, Sally did. I mean, Sally put it out there for black and white. There is no question. These organizations didn't just fail themselves. They didn't just fail their fans. They didn't just fail, uh, you know, their their teams and their organizations. They failed the NWSL and they failed women's soccer at every level along every step of the path. And to me, yeah. that is the most disheartening thing, because it is you can no longer claim if you are Merritt Paulson 
or if you're uh, Whistler, you can no longer claim that this was just something you needed to deal with internally. No, the reality and the truth is that you were doing everything in your power to avoid dealing with it. You are willing to sacrifice the 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 well-being mentally, psychologically, physically of your players, the people that you are paying money to do, to go out and, and play a sport for you, the, the, you know, people that, that, that were bringing in fans, you are willing to sacrifice their dignity. You are willing to sacrifice their well-beings simply so that you didn't have to publicly, you know, come to terms with what was going on. There is no escaping it now. There is no hiding from it now. You will forever have a black mark. And I hope they realize that. I hope they understand that they will not be able to go anywhere in terms of women's soccer at this point moving forward in any organization. You know, they need to have lifetime bans as far as I'm concerned, not just in women's soccer in NWSL, but I think they need to have lifetime bans served or, or uh, delivered to them by U.S. Uh, U.S. Soccer Federation that they cannot coach, they cannot own, they cannot manage at any level going forward. I don't care if it's men's soccer, I don't care if it's women's soccer, that no longer matters. It is soccer, period. And they have ruined, absolutely ruined, not just the game in the U.S., but they've ruined it internationally. I'm thankful that there are starting to be more and more players that are speaking out in other countries. Uh, you know, Spain is a perfect example um, there have been other reports. Look, we all know, uh, even though it is very hush-hush, we all know about Vera Powell uh, when she was here and also from South Africans that played for her, her reputation. Um, and somehow that didn't come out in this, which surprised me. But, you know, there's a lot of... Th this is not just an NWSL issue. This is not just a Portland issue or a Chicago issue or a North, uh, North Carolina issue or a Louisville issue. This is a soccer issue. And until we take it that seriously, until we as fans, until we as sponsors, until we as organizations and leagues and managers and presidents and everything else all the way across the world, uh, I'm talking to the highest level to FIFA directly, until we take it seriously at every level and until we institute at every level opportunities for players to report harassment to report abuse to uh, report assault until we provide them mechanisms we have failed them we have failed the sport and we have failed the players and to me that is the thing that hurts me the most yeah 100 percent. that's there's no other way to say it we, we the, it just we just have to go for, as fans now the, the the thing that we can do for them now is to put each of these uh, owners, each everyone who is responsible, to put them like to the fire. It's time for them to go. You know, there's there's no more half measures. And I know you credited uh, the the Portland uh, Portland uh, supporter groups, and you know I'm glad that they're taking the, the direction now. It's just when a year ago when they they were just taking half measures. I think you know they said how do we support how do we support uh, the team without like, you know, working with the FO and, you know, they have these small boycotts and I just think, you know, we, it shows, you know, after everything that happened this year, that wasn't successful. It's time to put them to the fire. It's time to, you know, tell the sponsors, like call and let them know that, you know, this is who you're supporting, you know, and, you know, you have to like, you know, go all the way in and just say, we will not support you anymore. That's how you break them. That's how you get them out. Otherwise, you know, you'll have someone like Merritt Paulson. They'll just fire, you know, 
Bill Byer, uh, Wilkinson, and the other guy. I don't. Actually. The other guy. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. Hey, he doesn't even deserve a name anymore. Just the other guy. I completely agree. Yeah, with that. that's scumbag. You know. Yep. He, he fired them. Is okay. Maybe that that might be it. No, it's time to go. Like, there's there's no way you can like, there's no amount of like boilerplate statements you can put out saying I'm sorry or you know this is the darkest day in my life. You, it's the darkest day because you got caught. Yep. And, and not only just you got caught for what you did know, it's what you kept impeding after that. Yep. Like the fact, the fact that you know, even after all that, they that they're still complicit and trying to like and trying to make sure like this information didn't come out, bro. Like, not to, not to say like you didn't just you completely screw yourself, but that just shows what kind of guy you are. Yeah. That's that shows what kind of business you're. In. You're trying to, you know, stay in the game and just, you know, you know, it's all about you and no one else. And that's not what, that's not what this uh, organization is about. That's not, that's not what, what soccer is about. It's, it's not one owner. It's the players. It's the fans. And you failed everyone. You have failed everyone on every level. And the fact that you keep, uh, you keep like doing the actions that they're doing, such as like silencing fans, you know, this in this specific uh case of where they uh got one of the fans who was protesting in the middle of the game they called her father to get her to get off which yeah she I, was she, that was the uh singer of the national anthem at the portland thorns game yeah yep it's just all these underhanded tactics to just you know you know silence fans that's that's who you are and that's how history will remember you and there's nothing else for you to do other than just leave because there's no way you come back without, you know, you cre- you help create a toxic environment that is like the end of USL. There's no, you can't live with the rock anymore. And then the fans need to know that they have to, there needs to be accountability, whether it's on the club level or in the, on the federation level, the fans needed to, like, you know, do this. They need to hold, you know, their organizations, the teams that they love accountable. If they don't, then it's more of the same. It's business as usual. And there's no way we can have that moving forward. I am incredibly thankful for Jessica O'Neill. Um, that this highlights the importance of having somebody in a position of, in this case, president of Houston Dash Operations, effectively, uh, but someone who uh, has not uh, rested. Um, you know, there there were accusations made, and we don't even know what they were. Accusations made against James Clarkson. The league recommended, but it wouldn't have mattered. I have a feeling they would have done this anyways. The Dash suspended indefinitely. James Clarkson, I'm not saying he's guilty. I'm not saying he's innocent. It's not for me to decide. I don't have any part in that. But I credit the Houston Dash for doing it immediately. And I know Jessica wasn't involved at that time. I understand that. But I think from just an organizational perspective, it was so starkly different from the approach that every other organization had up to that point. They essentially set the trend for how it was going to go, and they left no question. They left absolutely no question. The way that they handled it ensured that there was no chance of it continuing, even if it was not a realistic accusation. And again, we don't know. You know, we have no idea. But no matter what, I think it was the right move by the organization. We still, you know, we may never know the outcome of the air quote investigation around that those accusations or that accusation. 
against James Clarkson. But I credit the Dash for doing the right thing from the very beginning when it came to those accusations once they were made privy to them. And there was not a lot of time. That was the fastest I have ever seen an organization move related to that level uh, of accusations across, I think, just about any league. I mean, that was within 24 hours of them finding out they were already making the move. And even and, less, it was even less than that. Cause like when the moment they found out, they took straight to action. Yeah. This is like, they, there was a uh, bit of a round table with uh season ticket uh, members, uh, right? Like the week that it happened, because as soon as they knew they took an action and then even, I want to say it was like eight hours afterwards, they announced it to, you know, yeah. to the world. Yeah. So yeah, the, they're setting, I feel like they are setting the trend that, this is what you need to do. You know, you have if, in order to protect the players, you have to announce, you know, everything. You need to let everyone know. You can't let, you know, lizards or like you know snakes like these just you know go burrow and you know walk away. With the fact that Rory Dane was able to like you know once that fi- the NWSL final was over, he resigned and walked away. Like you're shitting me. You're absolutely like no. You're not. You don't let these guys just walk away. You know, into the sunset like. No, like the, we're, at the very least, like you know, these kind of, these are criminal actions. Because the the fact that you know in the, the Salieri's report, they they deemed like they had a team psychologist come in and deemed that over seventy percent of the team was experienced some form of psychological trauma. Yeah, and he walked away. No, absolutely not. Yeah. So it, oh, go ahead. No, I was just tied like tying up saying that. It comes to the point where we need, like, there's no, there can be no more, like, organizations that, you know, backpedal. And the fact that the Houston Dash were able to, you know, tackle this with expediency and also being true to, like, on every account, that's what every club needs to do. Every club needs to, you know, say the truth, honor the truth, honor the players, and uh, allow for these reforms and these uh, different mechanisms to be enacted to give the players the power and the uh, control they need to, you know, protect themselves from predators like Paul Riley and Rory James. Absolutely. 100%. Yes. Um, and, and it, uh, you know, it, it does fall on fans to, to some extent to keep these leagues, keep um, these organizations, keep these coaches, these managers, these presidents, um, you know, these front offices, keep the federation, uh, keep all of these people accountable uh, for what is happening and what has happened. Um, and to your point, you know, not let people just walk away, uh, but ensuring that, you know, that, that due diligence is done um, and that they can't just hand wave because that person has left or has resigned, whatever it may be. Um, and, and again, you know, huge credit goes to so many people at this point for, not just hand waving, not just being willing to capitulate and cave, but taking a stand uh, and finally really, truly holding everyone accountable at every level across the board. Um, and and it, it, it definitely makes me feel better in that regard about the situation. But again, you know, much to your point and, and my earlier point, you know, this is not something that's going to go away. It's not something that's that it is going to be a stain that exists on this league. It exists in women's soccer. It's going to exist internationally for a very long time. It is going to be something that these players deal with for the rest of their lives. It is going to be something that members of those organizations deal with for the rest of the you know rest of their lives. 
It is going to be something that fans have to ex- have to deal with, um, you know, you know, psychologically. Um, and, and we need to show support to the players and let the players know that we have their back. And we also need to hold sponsors feet to the fire. There are sponsors out there that sponsor these teams um, that have not said anything yet. They haven't condemned anything yet. And to me, that that is the biggest, um, you know, the, the biggest red flag of all, because these are people willing to put money into these organizations. But then when something like this takes place, you can't find them. You can't get them to make a statement uh, to, to really hold the organization's feet to the fire, with the exception of, as far as I'm aware, the only one that really has as of yet, Barrel Craft Spirits uh, out of, uh, uh, for racing Louisville. Uh, Alaska Airlines, apparently. Thank you, Roosh. I haven't been, I don't get on Twitter nearly as much as I used to. There might be one or two others, but they're still very large, um, you know, uh, sponsors that haven't. Go ahead. For heads up, uh, Alaska Airlines, they really said, nothing in terms of like what they're planning on doing they, they're not holding portland to the fire they said we're just going to wait in here for more yeah so, yeah we want to talk about what a sponsor should look like uh barrel spirits they're you know setting an example for what sponsors need to do alaska airlines do better next time i love i love the ending to the barrel craft spirits um statement our continued sponsorship will wholly depend on the team and NWSL's response to creating swift and meaningful change. Much due respect to Barrelcraft Spirits. I may have to make a trip to Louisville and grab me a bottle of some bourbon uh, to bring home because, uh, man, that is that is very well crafted and very well said. Uh, and I hope that many more sponsors across NWSL, across soccer, across the world take a hardline stance to that level. World Cup is coming up in just a few months. Seems like a perfect time for some sponsors to really hold some FIFA feet to the fire. Uh, But with that said, we are at the end of our show. We didn't even get to do predictions this week. That's okay. Uh, I hope you, much like me, have felt like this show has not been an hour and a half. Um, It has flown by, to say the least. Uh, Hattie, thank you for coming on uh, the show. And uh, I know there's a few people that are curious, uh, not really because they already know, but it, for those that may be listening later on uh, the podcast edition, how can they follow you on social media? Where can they follow you on social media? Yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm mostly active there, uh, H-Town Hattie. Um, yeah, shout me out, say hi. You know, we can talk about any, any from, anything about... Well, so Dynamo or even soccer in general, and then you know we'll have a great time. And yeah. we will forgive you for being an Arsenal fan. I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I, I said just kidding. I said just kidding. No, 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 no. Okay, so we, nope, we're, nope, we're not going there. We're not going to turn an hour thirty minutes to two hours. hours to three hours. Yeah, no, no. Uh, what I did want to say, guys, uh, is one last thing. Uh, Hattie will shy away from saying this, but definitely, if you have a chance, check out the surge. Addy is our dash uh, director of dash things. I don't remember what your official title is. Director of dash <laughs> for, Fairs, for surge yeah. director of dash things, all things. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely check out the surge um, and get a chance to, uh, to support Hattie support what the surge are trying to do uh, by growing uh, the women's support, uh, women's soccer support uh, and dash support specifically. Uh, most and importantly support the dash. Say that again. I said, and these you're talking about support. I said, and most importantly, support the dash. And most importantly, yes, most importantly, support the dash, especially on October 16th. 
uh, by buying your $7 ticket today uh, on SeatGeek uh, and go get your ticket to the uh, October 16th first ever NWSL Houston Dash playoff match here in Houston. Come on, you can't you can't beat it. You really can't. Uh, with that said, guys, uh, certainly appreciate you joining us. It's been a little bit longer show than normal, but we definitely appreciate it. Huge shout out to Golasso.media. Go check out Golasso.media for all your player likeness merchandise and gear. Uh, thank you yeah, guys. Great again. shirts, great designs. You'll love them. Great shirts, great designs. That needs to be the slogan. Great shirts, great designs. Uh, it almost sounds like a like a like a Coles slogan or something. <laughs> uh, but seriously, guys, appreciate y'all so much. Appreciate y'all support uh, throughout this entire season. Uh, we will probably have one more episode to close out the year. I don't know if it'll be next week. Probably not next week. Uh, but we will let you know when we do have that final episode. Um, and who knows, maybe it'll be after the NWSL, NWSL Cup final when the Dash are hoisting the NWSL Cup. I don't know about you, Hattie, but I would be stoked for that. Oh, my God. I might cry tears. See me, you'll see me there. I'll be in Washington, D.C. I'll be crying. Well, to the yeah. Actually, I have I have hookups there, so I might go, too. Uh, but, yeah, again, thanks, guys. Have a great night. And as always, hold it down, H-Town. Thank you, everyone. Yeah.